in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season Show. We're your host, Brother Phil, Sister Crystal. Hello, everyone. We got a great topic today. <laughs> I named this one True History Revealed. All this history we have is fake. How are we supposed to know any real history? And that's what this show is really going to be all about. This is how I kind of reverse engineered history and why I believe I think I know what happened in fake history based on what the Bible states. Well, because if we know that history repeats itself, if we can go back to what the Bible states, what happened in the very beginning, then we can kind of draw accurate conclusions or scenarios as to what is and how it's going to all kind of unfold. There's a lot of things in this that will, and the one in my research has really surprised me. And so I hope it's a surprise to you. You know, I hate to say it, we got some bombshells maybe in here for you. <laughs> But that's okay. This is, these are fun because it gets you interested in, man, the, the Word of God is so amazing. Yes. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you in the Old Testament how it it's comparable to what happened in the New Testament and how it, it correlates, the correlation between that's Old beautiful. Testament yeah. and New Testament and how I was able to figure out what happened in fake history right. based on what happened in real history because history has repeated itself. And you can, I'll show you perfectly how this has worked. You know, and the correlation is that they match up. It's like a dance step. Each move works in a congruent pattern to where it all flows out perfectly. And that's really what God's Word does. It should flow perfectly if we have no biases. We're going to start back in Moses, about talking about Moses okay. in the Old Testament. Because mm -hmm. he was the Christ figure. Right. In the Old Testament. Exactly. So you need to understand Moses was like Christ. And we're mm -hmm. going to show you all the ways he was likened into Christ. And also, I guess by extension, I will say it isn't just Moses, but also Joshua. And we're right. going to go into how Moses slash Joshua really accomplished everything mm -hmm. that Christ did in the New Testament. Right. Together, them two in the Old Testament likened into what Christ did in the Old Testament. Right. Now, we're going to go into that here in a minute. First thing we're going to talk about is is. Moses. One of the first things that happens in the very beginning of Moses' life is both Moses and Jesus are almost killed right. as an infant. Right. So you have Moses is the third child of his parents. And of course, they kind of had an assumption. They try to get all the midwives to kill these babies that were being born. And so basically, they knew that these babies are, so they wanted them to they wanted to kill him. They wanted to eradicate him. So she hid him as long as she could. And then God had a way. 
God had a plan. Right. And you remember Jesus was almost killed by Herod. Right. And had to All flee. these babies were killed. Yeah. Both so, males on both sides of the spectrum both were killed because of these two awesome men. So that's the first really similarity mm-hmm. between Moses and Jesus that we right. noticed. Right. But it goes further. We're going to go into that <laughs> a little bit more. Moses eventually in his life had to run away from Egypt. Right. To save his life. Now Jesus had to run or had to escape to Egypt to save his life. Right. Well, Mary and Joseph had to Mary, run to Joseph, Egypt. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus had to go to Egypt. Right. So Egypt was a similarity between both Moses right. and Jesus. They both, at one time, were actually in Egypt. That's the second thing. What did Moses do when he right. came back to Pharaoh and, went to Pharaoh and mm-hmm. was getting ready to bring the people out? Because God called him to. God called him to do that. Mm-hmm. He had to prove who he right. was. <laughs> Which means he was giving miracles to do. There's the miracles that God gave him to do. And also, you know, the ten plagues right. were miracles that proved he was from God. Now, did Jesus do any miracles? Yes. Yeah. Jesus did a number of miracles. Right. Matter of fact, the whole New Testament, <laughs> Ma- Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, full of all right. these miracles, Jesus, right. to prove he that was he the was the Son of God and who right. he was. This was a proof text to, like, I'm not just on, doing this on my own. No. You, you see what I'm doing here. I'm doing these miracles. These correlations. Of... That, and so Moses did mm-hmm. the same thing to prove to the people that he was from God. Right. Jesus did all the, the miracles that he did to prove to the people that he was from God as well. Right, because God had a plan. He had a plan for Moses to fulfill his purposes and for Jesus to fulfill his purposes. Right. So the next one is, okay, Moses in, he came and mm-hmm. brought us the law. Right. Written on a stone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now Jesus came and he brought the law. Right. But it was written on our hearts. Right. So there's slight differences here, but Variations. you see both of them uh-huh. are the law of God in the New Testament, New Covenant, is on our hearts, written on our hearts, the mm-hmm. law is. Old Covenant, it was written on stone. Moses got that law mm-hmm. from Mount Sinai. Right. When Jesus, the law came from Mount Zion. Both of them came from a mountain. Now, it'd be interesting to find out if maybe they... Same mountain. Could have been the same mountain. <laughs> that would be it'd cool. It'd be very possible that they might have been the same mountain. We don't uh-huh. know for a fact. Because, you know, all these things get renamed all yeah. the way through history. Yeah. We don't know for a fact that they do, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it would just be interesting. But anyway, both of them were done on different mountains. Mm-hmm. But all on mountains. Right. The, the, the law was given. Okay. Right. So next is that Moses, to to save the people from death. From peril from Pharaoh. Okay. <laughs> he had, they had to put the people through the water. Right. Right. We Passive. remember this story. We all watched the Ten Commandments, didn't right. we? <laughs> remember? They had to go through the water to get salvation. This is a correlation to what Jesus had to do. Amen. What do we do? What is baptism? Baptism right. is that exactly going through the water to newness, have salvation. Newness yeah, of life. Newness of life. Right. Exactly. Same exact scenario. Right. Is, is they didn't go through that water. Right. They would. They would have been killed by Pharaoh's right. army. Exactly. Jesus also had a similar situation happen in the New Testament. And again, God had a way. He always has a way. Okay. People. So we also know a little bit before this that there was. Remember, they had they had a blood sacrifice needed. That's right. To yeah. save the firstborn children from certain death. Right. Well, because the angel of death was coming. Right. 
Right. We we, so, we all remember that story. Right. That they he they had to put the the, the blood on the door the doorposts of right. their of their homes and whatnot to spare their homes from being from their from death. Because it home. was it was an unblemished lamb whose blood was put on that doorpost. Right. So who died for us? An unblemished lamb, which was Christ Jesus. Right. Christ became that yes. blood yes. to rescue us from certain death. Just like Moses had told the people to do. Right. Jesus did this for us. So there's all these correlations here. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, we learn that, of course, Moses, he had to send these 12 spies out to spy out the land. And we all know about these 12 spies because it turns right. out that 10 of them turned out to be bad spies, <laughs> that they gave a bad report. There were two spies, Joshua and Caleb, turned out to be good spies. Right. You know, they had a good report. Oh, yeah, we could take the land. No problem there. Right. Now I'm going to get to the mind blower here. <laughs> okay, this is very interesting stuff. Yes. When, before Moses sent the, that expedition out, he renamed Hoshea Come on. Joshua. <laughs> but here's another thing. Joshua was not his real name in Greek. His real name in Greek was Jesus. That's right. Because Jesus in Greek is Joshua. So when you look at the, as a matter of fact, some Bibles, if they're Greek Bibles, they'll actually have Jesus being the book of Joshua. Wow. It's actually the book of Jesus. Right. No, I mean, I tell people, hey, you ever read the book of Jesus? And they're all like, what? I didn't know there was a book of Jesus. That's the book of Joshua. Because Joshua in Hebrew is Jesus in Greek. Right. And you know what the word name of Joshua means? Whom the Lord saves. Whom the Lord saves, right. So here's the part that, that'll, that'll get you, okay? Joshua, this is before Moses knew that right. he wasn't going to go be, be going into right. the land. Before his incident with disobedience. Right. Yes. He was told... To rename, I, I don't know if God told him to do this. I have a mm. feeling he didn't. We can read he, it. Why don't you read that okay. scripture where before okay. the, they, the spies go into the land. This is right. before he even knew who the good spies were. He renamed Hoshea right. Joshua. So it's Numbers 13, 16. Yeah. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. This was the only one. Hmm. that Moses renamed. renamed. He renamed him Jesus. <laughs> now, here's what I'm going to uh, get you. Because remember, it didn't work out too well. They spied out the land, and then right. they got a bunch of them came back with a bad report. But Majority rules, and so they didn't get to go into the promised land. But Caleb and Joshua, you know, we can take it. But, right. you know, they were all kind of overruled <laughs> right. by the other ten. The weaklings. <laughs> And so they couldn't. They there was a delay to taking taking the land right for forty years because that's how many days they spent in the wilderness spying out the lands. It's forty days, right? And so it's like a day for every year you're gonna. Well, that be was out a generation, life. and that's why all of those people passed away before they could enter in the land. Yeah, they all died mm -hmm. forty years in the wilderness, right? And they would not. None of them. None of them could go into the, to the promised land, right? That was a punishment, years. not believing that God could get them through it. And when Jesus, of course. Ascended into heaven. Right. There was a 40-year period yes. there. Yes. Exactly the same 40 years. Yeah. That he delayed that's awesome. going in and judging the nations. Because that's what will end up, Joshua end up having to, or right. I should say Jesus of the Old Testament. <laughs> his job would be, because Moses wasn't allowed in. Right. To judge the nations. Mm -hmm. And we're going to read this passage of scripture here in Deuteronomy. Okay. Okay. Because this is really interesting. 
that the Jesus of the Old Testament, which is Joshua, we call him. Right. His job after a 40-year wait, Jesus in the New Testament, 40-year wait. Right. Then he went to judge the nations. And what we're suggesting on the show is that Jesus did the same thing. Right. 40 years after his ascension. Right. He waited and then he judged the nations 40 years later. Right. Now go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Gerashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. Here he gave the nations that were mm-hmm. going to be judged, uh, that, get, that Joshua was going to go and judge these mm-hmm. nations. He's going to send the armies over there, and essentially they were going to just kick butt, just like Jesus did at Armageddon. <laughs> right, yeah. See, the Jesus of the Old Testament, after 40 years, came mm-hmm. and judged the nations. Right. Jesus of the New Testament came and after 40 years then judged the nations. Right. Exactly as we're saying, it's too much of a coincidence. Well, exactly yeah. that it all worked out just it's perfectly not a the same thing. It's God's plan. And so you have these seven nations, mm-hmm. the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Jebusites, Canaanites, mm-hmm. all these nations were there and they, they were being judged by Joshua because of their sin. Right. But did you notice what it said at the end of that verse? Each one of those nations was greater and mightier than the Israelites. This is how I, I have told you before. There's mm-hmm. absolutely zero chance. Because we already know, based on numbers, how many people of the Israelites there were. And according, according to this scripture, every one of those seven nations they were going up against were larger than they were. Mm. So this is why how I knew for a fact that this area that they call the promised land is way, way too small. Right. Because that would be millions of people crammed in that little tiny area. <laughs> and then the rest of the world have it hardly anybody. Right. And there's just no way it was this small. Because every one of those nations was greater and mightier than they were. Well, and so, because they had a, like a counting or a... Um, yeah, they know, had a census right. at the very beginning of Numbers. Right. Then they had another census at the end of the book of Numbers. Right. So they had two censuses. One at the beginning of the 40 years. Uh-huh. And another census at the end of the 40 years, before they went into the promised land. And so you get, you get the idea that, no, no, they had a massive amount of people. Millions. Right, right. Were sitting there. He restated every single one of those nations were that they were going after and going to judge, had more people than they had. They were greater and mightier than they were. You just have to read your Bible. It says it right there. Zero chance it could be the theme park version of the Holy Land is the place where they were at. That's way too small. Right. Way, way, way too small. I mean, if you were to, I think, you know, some of the battles that they went through, it, it just seems like it was a larger territory to have to do these battles that they had to, uh, and that were ensuing and fighting. It just doesn't seem like that would be the adequate space over there. All you have to do is read the book of Jesus. I mean, the book of Joshua. <laughs> I say that because, really, that's what it is. Jesus the, was, is right. Joshua, same, right. name, same person. The book of Joshua gives in great detail all these wars they had. And, exactly. they, and it even says there, and they, they were at war for a long time. Right. And then you find out later on it was like, you know, quite a few years, like three, four years. Right. But the point is, is they were having to go out and fight all these battles constantly uh-huh. for years uh-huh. to to take the land. It, so it was a massive, massive It was not land some small little dinky yeah. plot. It, it, they're making it out <laughs> time right. in history as a, being a small little area. It was huge. This is an example of why I believe it was much bigger. 
every one of those seven nations right. was greater and mightier than they were. A vast territory. Yeah. And when the Lord, your God, delivers them over you, you should conquer them and utterly destroy them. And you shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Okay, so he's basically saying, don't make a covenant with these people. They're not your friends. Uh, basically, kill them. Just destroy them. Utterly destroy them. you right. got to get rid of them. They're basically evil. They're going to corrupt you. Yeah, they're, they're going to they're, they're mm-hmm. just corrupt you. So mm-hmm. go ahead and keep reading. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. And we all remember who these gods were. They were essentially demons. From other show we've done, we know these were demons that were running these countries and were essentially these other people's gods. So yeah, in other words, God's just saying... Don't follow, serve their other gods, right. because they're just they're demons. They're in opposition to me. But this you shall deal with them. Thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you to, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Okay, so here he says it again, that they were the smallest group of people mm-hmm. on, the, on the earth at that time, essentially, right. even though they were counted in the millions. That's why I'm mm-hmm. saying that the population of the world was much bigger hmm. than what we're actually told in the history books. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't go by history. I go by what the Bible states. The Bible states that they were small. These were Israelites were a small number of people. And that's really hard to get your brain wrapped around. I mean, you read the numbers and you're like, that is extensive. It's like, how can these other nations be even larger than them? So that is what we have on the timeline. Right. 40 year period goes. Right. Then. Jesus went and judged the nations mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, just like Jesus, what we're saying Jesus did in the New Testament. Right. 40-year period, Jesus came and then judged the nations. Mm-hmm. Exactly as the old happened, same happened in the new. Right. Same 40 years. So let's go ahead and move on to what I consider happening during the millennial reign. Correlation with there's, that. There's some correlations that we mm-hmm. can find here. So go ahead and read the first one right there. Now, here's the interesting thing. Okay. And, you know, we know how long the millennial reign of Christ was, right? Right. How long? It's a thousand years. thousand years, right? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, if you do the math, mm-hmm. you find out that the nation of Israel slash Judah wow. lasted, you guessed it, <laughs> a thousand, thousand years. years. It's more than coincidence. This is why I, I started doing this research and finding out let me see how many other correlations I can find. Now, I probably haven't even found all of them. I've just found the ones that just came off the top of my head and going, right. wow, there's too many correlations here. This yeah. cannot be by accident. Hmm. God's design. Yeah. So at the very beginning, remember, of when they when God set up the kingdom of Israel, mm-hmm. he was very strict with the people. Remember the story of Achan mm-hmm. that's found in Joshua chapter 7. Right after the fall of Jericho. Right after the fall of Jericho, remember mm-hmm. Achan stole some of the sacred things. And he was, he was to, told not to, yeah, right? They were all told not to. He, he stole some of it. Under Again, the ground in his tent. What happened? It killed him his, his whole, whole family, family yeah. as a result of his sin. At the very beginning, 
God was very strict with the nation. Very, very strict. Right. Later on, of course, they do things ten times worse than this and no repercussions. So that's why I'm saying I think that Jesus did the same thing in the millennial reign mm -hmm. when he set up his, his millennial reign. At the very beginning, he was very iron strict. Scepter. You know, mm -hmm. iron, iron scepter. He was ruling them with an iron scepter, very strict with them. Right. And then I think that after the kind of the nation was all set up, he kind of backed off. Right. Okay, let's go to the next one here. So they stopped observing the holy days. Okay, this is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people don't realize that one of the things that the Israelites stopped doing pretty early on right. is they stopped following the holy days. You go here to Nehemiah 8. Okay, here's an interesting one in Nehemiah chapter 8. So Nehemiah has an example of what really happened during the time uh, of Israelites right. when they were running things. Nehemiah eight fourteen. Okay, so, and they found written the law which the Lord had had commanded Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths. Remember, there's mm -hmm. a feast of the booths. Remember, right. they had to be in booths when they were in the wilderness. So God commanded a holiday, mm. kind of one of the holy days for them to follow, be in booths for seven days. So they started in the, in the time of Nehemiah, they started following this. Now, here's the bombshell thing that we find <laughs> out here. Now, it doesn't say this anywhere else in the Bible, but you go down to... One of the last verses here. Um, 17. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booze. Mm -hmm. And they sat under the booze for since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. Until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was, there was great gladness. In other mm -hmm. words, they had not for almost a thousand years, not followed those holy days. Remember, at the days of Joshua, son of Nun, that was when Moses and Joshua right. set up. They, right. What they do? This is why I say I think that what they did was at the very beginning. Oh, come for the feast of the. Of the mm -hmm. They did. They they did all these things at the very beginning, but then once all it was kind of, everything was set up, they just kind of stopped doing that. Kind of relaxed. And this is exactly what you see happening. Uh -huh. With the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Oh, here's all the holy days you're supposed to follow. And then immediately after they're left on their own, oh, we're going to stop doing those now. Right. Because mm. that's what they did with, with this feast. Joshua, Moses were the first ones, and they stopped following that almost right after Joshua's gone. That's what it says there. All the good kings of Israel, they didn't care to follow uh -huh, this. Not David or Solomon King, or anything. David, Solomon, Asa. Uh, there's a lot of good kings right. that were in Israel and Judah and apparently, they never brought wow. this idea. It wasn't until Nehemiah and Ezra's time, right. after the captivity was all over, that they bother bringing this, uh, this hmm. back. This is why I say, I think that what happened is, early in the millennial reign, they were doing a lot of these things. And then later on, when the training wheels were kind of taken off, right? oh, let's see if the people, what, how the people see, do. Well, and let's they see if they can got, yeah. be, follow their hearts correctly, and they, it wasn't in their hearts to follow it. Right. Yeah. So I just find this to be very interesting. They stopped following holy days early on, and I think this is what happened during millennial reign, too. So I'm going to ask it, just because I'm a novice on some of these passages of Scripture. What exactly is a booth? <laughs> well, is it, that it, like a tent? It's like a tent. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's, it's like they, they call them booths, but I guess we would call it like living in a tent for a while. Uh -huh. You know, because that's uh -huh. what they had to do when they were out there wandering right, right, around right, the wilderness. Right. They had to like make like little a little shacks for themselves. Shelter of some sort. Shelter okay. of some kind. Okay. And that's what those were considered to be the it's supposed to be remembering, oh, when we were just wandering in the wilderness right. for forty years. Right, right. No, no, it it was like in respect for what they had to endure. Yeah. Okay, I got it. I'm just 
I'm just trying to understand these things and thinking maybe someone else has that same question. <laughs> That's okay. At the very beginning, there was a decentralized government. And you read that in Judges chapter 2. That there was, in other words, after Joshua had set up the, the kingdom mm-hmm. of Israel and Judah, mm-hmm. they were kind of run by a bunch of elders. There was no real, like, set government. And I right. think this is kind of the way it was during the millennial reign, too. Uh-huh. That essentially it was heads of family. And that's uh-huh. kind of what you read in Zechariah 14 as well. Right. It was heads of families that would come around, and they were kind uh-huh. of like the leaders of the people. And this is kind of the way it's described there and right. the way it is in of course, judges as well. Mm-hmm. So let's go on. Why don't you read the next one there? What um, happens after? The judges raised up the rescue of the people. Okay. Right. We read about that in Judges. Of course, in the New mm-hmm. Testament, the apostles. Okay. Jesus actually declares that you'll be judging the 12 tribes right. of Israel. So essentially, right. were, the disi- were the apostles going around like the judges in the days, going around helping rescue the people out of all these problems that they were running mm-hmm. into? I think maybe that's what they were doing for a few hundred mm-hmm. years in, mm-hmm. in the millennial reign. That mm-hmm. could be very possible, you know, right. from behind the scenes. Okay, go on, go on to the next one. I had high priests and priests. Okay, both of these groups, mm-hmm. both the Israelites back right. in the day, they had a high priest under Aaron. And, of course, and then of course they had priests who were the descendants of Aaron. Right. Were the priests. Of course, right. you have, does Jesus, what about New Testament? Right. Well, yeah, they exactly did. The first resurrected are called the priests of God. Right. Revelation chapter 20. Okay. With Jesus being the high priest under the order of not Aaron, but Melchizedek. According to Hebrews, we get these correlations between okay, mm-hmm. Hebrews, Jesus is the high priest. Aaron was a high priest in the Old Testament. Right. They both had priests who were right. working under the high priest. Right, right. Both these things. So exactly. there's a lot of similarities here. Let's go ahead and move on. So um, there's the bride of God. Old Testament, children of Israel were called the bride. Matter of fact, when they end up having the split between the old, I mean, between the Judah, Judah and Israel, and Israel right. he had two, essentially two brides at that right. point. Because they split into two, and God considered both of them being their bride. Now, did Jesus have a bride? Yes, the church. That's right. Same exact scenario. The right, church okay. was his bride. So exactly. Exactly the same same kind of thing. Okay, what's the next one? Okay, set up moral kings um in the place of an immortal righteous king. Okay, remember what happened? After a while they kinda got tired of living under these what what's known as judges. Remember well, that? Right. So right before that was rejected the Lord as their king and then they They rejected the Lord right. as their king. Exactly. I think and we read uh, that about that in in First Samuel, Samuel chapter eight. Right. That essentially what they did was a, we're getting, we're tired. We want a king, a human king. We, well, we want to be like these other nations and have a, a ruler like them. And then remember, Samuel went to mm-hmm. the Lord, and the Lord said, "They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as their king." Right. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And this is what I kind of think happened, mm-hmm. and how we have all in these the kingdoms mm-hmm. set up during the millennial reign. Right. Is they essentially rejected Christ as their king. And they set up mm. these earthly, That's mortal it. kings right. instead of having an immortal king uh-huh. like Jesus Christ was. Right. Why would you need another king when you already have Christ as your the king? The king of kings. And right. it probably was the same thing that was going on in those days. Fear. They were afraid of the countries around them, attacking them. This is what happened because they, they became spiritually weakened. Because uh-huh. this is what you read about in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Right. What happened was they got scared. Oh, mm-hmm. the Philistines are around. Oh, mm-hmm. we're scared. We need somebody to help rescue us. Well, why are you so scared? Why don't you just trust in the Lord? Well, because they're they they have fear because they weren't having faith. Well, you know the idea of having a 
ruler that was present among them right. is what they kind of wanted. Not that they couldn't let God be their ruler over them, but it was like having a presence immediately in their vicinity. And I have a feeling this is what happened during millennial reign. What happened was people gave up Christ as their king because he wasn't there around all the time. They could right. see him, right. touch him, whatever else. Right. And so they wanted to have earthly rule. So they set up kings for themselves. Yeah. All these countries did. That's sad. And this is really sad, but this is the way people are when they get fear in their hearts. It's right. usually a sign of spiritual decline. Always is. When you want to have earthly kings, earthly rulers, this is a sign of spiritual decline well, in a society. Well, it's a comparison, and, and comparison is false. It's, you know, nothing can compare to God. Because anybody who has faith in the Lord knows, hey, the Lord's going to rescue me. Exactly. He can do anything. Exactly. We don't, you, don't, you don't have fear. You have faith. And so faith and fear are polar opposites. Exactly. And so... What do you need to do? We need to have faith. There's no reason to fear anything mm -hmm. if you have the Lord on your side. So we need to be like Joshua and Caleb, mm -hmm. who was able to stand up and get, I, I don't care if there's giants in that land. I, I'll go and take it. <laughs> Amen. But see, that's yeah. what happened. The people get fear in their lives and their hearts right. because they have no faith in God right. and what he can do. Well, they have confidence in the flesh, and then it gets them worried and overcome with what's going to happen instead of having confidence in their leader, their God, their creator. So what happens next? So then the kingdom split and weakened. Okay, this is what kind of happened in the Old Testament, a split between the kingdom of Judah uh -huh. and the kingdom of Israel. Right. And, of course, the Bible says this is from the Lord. Now, I believe this also happened during the millennial reign as well mm -hmm. with a number of splits. I think there were a number of splits in the church right. during this time, which, you know, we all have evidence of that between the Catholic and the Protestant. Right. I think that a lot of times Islam was a split from the church early on. Uh -huh. There's a number of these splits that happened in the church. And it all had to do with uh, corruption. Right. Yep. It all had to do with evil and corruption. Kind of like with Martin, what Martin Luther was going through. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. When you have corruption, you're going to have mm -hmm. splits because people are going to wow. not be united right. under one banner of truth and justice. Right. This is when you get splits every right. time. It's, yeah. it, and, of course, it weakens a society and people does. when this happens. Mm -hmm. And this further makes it terrified of what's going to happen around you. So what mm -hmm. happens next? So then there's the corruption, the sin, and the rebellion prompted the losing of Assyria to Babylon. Okay, and what happens is eventually the people become so weakened and corrupt right. as a result of, oh, I'm scared of these other nations around me. And of course, they instead of turning to the Lord, right. getting revival from Him, what do they do? They become more and more evil and more and more corrupt. Right. This is the way people are. I don't understand how people think. But essentially, it prompted, the corruption prompted the loosing of Babylon and Assyria mm. on the people to judge them. Right. That's a punishment. And in my opinion, this was the reason why Satan was loosed from his wow. person. Wow. Because I think that the people had gotten so corrupt, they were killing. Yeah. Um, and even the New Testament, what do you read about? Mm -hmm. A lot of holy people were getting killed. For their faith. Right. Translating the Bible into English and whatnot. You have Wycliffe and all these other yes, guys over there. Yeah. Doing all this hard work. Yeah. Trying to get the word of God into people's minds and hearts. Right. And then you have the church killing these people. This is William this kind this kind of mm -hmm. corruption yeah. was going on in the church. That's so sad. I think this corruption, and it, of course it kept getting worse and worse, right. prompting the loosing of Satan. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like hmm. and this is why I say the loosing of Satan, of course, and before, right. in the Old Testament, it right. was the loosing of the king of Babylon. 
Right. On the people. Well, you know, when I was looking at this, I was thinking of the correlation between when the Roman Pilate was saying, well, do you want me to give you Jesus or do you want me to give you Barabbas? And so I was thinking that correlation that they, they wanted, you know, Barabbas over Jesus. And of course, Jesus was put to death. You know, and that was what God's plan was. But it was like, you know, I was thinking, because that was also, you know, he was a terrible guy. You know, why would anyone, why would we want that? A loosing of something yeah. that was just is more enslavement. Well, it's more proof that people were very corrupt, even right. in Jesus' day. Right. And that was the same way it was in the Old Testament, too. Very uh -huh. people, very corrupt. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, and of course, Jesus was having to face these people constantly. Right. The corruption of the church, or I should say, God's people in the in the New Testament, right. which were the Pharisees and Sadducees, right. and the scribes of his day, were so corrupt that essentially, it, it, Jesus even says, their punishment would be worse than those people of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. That was... And we know the Simon Gomorrah was, is considered the epitome of evil. <laughs> Jesus is stating that these people were even more corrupt than that. Wow. That's how bad it got yeah. in Jesus' day. Mm -hmm. But, of course, I think in the New Testament times, mm -hmm. when you get a thousand years later, the reason why Satan was loosed right. was because the corruption of the church got so bad yep. that it loosed Satan onto the right. world. Basically, God just like, give him Satan. That's right? what, the, exactly. that's, the, the, that's their, exactly. Give them what the people want. That's exactly. And that's why Satan was loosed. Hmm. But here's what the problem that you have. In the Old Testament, mm -hmm. it was Babylon yeah. that was loosed upon the Israelites and on, on the tribe on, of, okay. of, 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 of Judah. Okay. And what happened? They went into what's known as Babylonian captivity, captivity at that point. You see, the day and age we're living in right now during Satan's right. little season, we're living as captives. Exactly. It's a Babylonian captivity 2.0. This is a what I've dubbed it. Captivity. I am going to do a show on this and mm -hmm. explain to you why I believe this way. But this is a Babylon. In other words, we are slaves. We are not free people in this world today. Mm -hmm. And if you doubt what I'm saying here, a free peoples do not pay taxes. Right. If you are paying any taxes at all, you are a slave. Because Jesus states one of the things you know. The children of, uh, of the kings don't pay taxes. It's only the people, the slaves, the servants mm -hmm. that pay the taxes. Right. Which shows you we are enslaved. Right. Just So just like the days of the Babylonian captivity, those are the, we're living in the days of Babylonian captivity 2.0. Right. Only under Satan. Exactly. Satan's tutelage. Right. Satan has created a Babylonian captivity 2.0. And I'll right. show you the similarities between the way Babylon is set, was set up. Right. And the way, see, Satan kind of combined Rome 2.0 and Babylon 2.0 <laughs> to what we have going on today. Right. This is how he did it. Well, he took he's Rome crafty. from the Old Testament and he took right. Babylon from the Old Testament. And now this is the government that we're living under now, essentially enslaved. Under his in, rule. In captive. This is how it is. Mm -hmm. I wish we didn't have it. But I've got some good news for you. So we're getting to the last <laughs> part. Okay. Because after the captivity was over from the nation of Judah. Right. They were able to go back to their homeland. And they were able to rebuild the temple. There. Right. And Nehemiah. Under Nehemiah and mm -hmm. Ezra and rebuild the temple. Of course, it wasn't as grandiose as the one that they had left. Right. It was not as good, but they still were able to rebuild it. They were able to get it back. And what you read here is this is what's going to happen in our future. And that we are going to, except for it'll be a little bit different because we're going to have that New heaven and new, new earth. earth. New Jerusalem. And we're going to get a new Jerusalem that's coming down out of heaven. So right. we don't have to rebuild it. 
Right. We just have to dwell in it. Occupy it. But if you read Ezra, the book of Ezra, it's clear of who is going to inhabit that city. Amen. And it has to be those who are worthy to inhabit the city. Mm. So that's the similarity between the Old Testament and the Mm -hmm. New Testament. So that's how the Old Testament actually finishes off. You have the temple being rebuilt and the people dwelling in the city of Jerusalem again, but only the people that were worthy to be citizens were able to be, to, to dwell in that city. Mm. They weren't just letting anybody in that city mm-hmm. to be to dwell in that city. You had to be of the right mm. lineage and all that. Now we learn in the New Testament it's very similar mm-hmm. to allowed in New Jerusalem. Right. You have to be worthy. Same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's how. The New Testament ends off. The New Testament ends off the same way the Old Testament ends <laughs> off. so cool. With Jerusalem, the people dwelling safely in the city, but right. only the worthy are allowed to be inside. Right. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, again, I don't want. I know That's this went a little awesome. bit long, but this mm-hmm. allows us to understand how do we know what happened in history? Right. Well, this is how we figure it out. That's so cool. We look at the Old Testament, how uh-huh. what happened there. And there's probably so many of them I right. could go over. right. About how God worked with with the children of Israel and children of Judah in the mm. Old Testament, and what Jesus did during the millennial reign. That's so neat. Similar, this concept. Well, you know, God's word is so beautiful. That the way that He designed it, correlated it, redundant, made it so easily to understand. And even if we don't understand it so easily, He has given us His Spirit and opportunities that we can see clearly if we just have a clear mind of not having any biases or any preconceived notions i know this went a little long <laughs> i don't apologize for that because i knew this was going to go long because right we just had to explain to you because i kept telling you i kind of think i know what happened in history mm-hmm. but i base it on what i understand happened in the old testament right. because history typically repeats itself in the new testament well there's patterns and yes. that's really great because there's a flow and if you have an understanding of how things flow and how they correlate, that's how God works. Because he doesn't want to leave us in the dark. This is why I really believe that Christ already returned as he stated he would. Remember, the Jesus of the Old Testament, Joshua, did the same thing that Jesus of the New Testament did. <laughs> he judged the nations. I do not think that happened by accident. I think that was by design. Mm-hmm. Moses renamed Hoshea to Joshua right. for that exact reason. To tell us something. You yes. see, us as American readers, we can't, we don't see the correlation. We see a different name. Right. But if you were understood the way that the, the original Greek. readers uh-huh. were reading that, right? They would, it would be, it would, they would see the same name there. Right. Oh, I see Jesus in the Old Testament, just like mm. Jesus in the New Testament. Ah, I'm getting it. Yay! <laughs> this is why, why I, you know, I'm just bringing these things up that I'm discovering and saying, I'm just, I'm just connecting the dots, right. just like you can do as well. Exactly. And then you understand that, you could, it just gives you more confirmation in your heart and mind right. that we're not some crazy kooks that just no. kind of believe <laughs> believe all this stuff. No, we have evidence. We're, we're seeing patterns. And we can't just, because we see these patterns, oh, just, we're just going to ignore these patterns. Exactly. No, these patterns are given to us Amen. from the Lord. That's right. They were, they're in, I believe they're inspired by God. Praise the Lord. That's right. These yeah. patterns are to be discovered. And this is what I'm here for, to show mm-hmm. you the patterns I'm seeing so that we can go forward and become the best versions that we can be. Right. And we can understand the Word of God the way it's meant to be understood. Right. We're living in Satan's little season. But we've got a new Jerusalem coming. We have a new Jerusalem. Just like in the Old Testament, they came, went back to Jerusalem. Uh-huh. They rebuilt that city and dwelled in it. Right. We're going to do the same thing. But I believe that we're living in Satan's little season. Not only because it's right there in our Bibles. But, but because. It just makes sense. 
Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Little Season production.